guess what, guys? There is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite, locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite, Breck Brews, and your personal favorite sports teams playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all your holiday get-togethers or to celebrate birthdays and other large events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations along with gluten-free and plant-based options as well. There is nothing more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they are always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five front-range locations. They are also offering their holiday se- this holiday season a special pint glass koozies that make great stocking stuffers and come with a $5 gift card. Check those out at their site today at bojos.com. That's bojos.com and tell them DNVR Rams sent you. On the high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Bayrano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Page. Boy, Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low. Hornung. Dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10. Here's Van Pelt. He's at the 5. Touchdown, Colorado State. Hey there, what's up? Hello, how you doing? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Bojo's Pizza. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. Man, what an incredible, absolutely incredible national championship game last night was. I know LSU ended up pulling away late, but you know, for three quarters there, it was just a thrill ride between two incredible teams, two just massive juggernauts in college football this year and the Clemson Tigers and the LSU Tigers, the the Tiger Bowl, if you will. Uh, but I was just so impressed with both of these quarterbacks. I mean, there were so many times where the DBs were, they were honestly in good position and these quarterbacks just made incredible throw after incredible throw, just chunk play after chunk play. Really, I mean, the balls on these guys... It's it's really incredible. Some of those throws that they were just, you know, willing to, to trust their receivers and 
obviously they trusted themselves and it paid out, man, because they, they just had unbelievable ball placement all night. I mean, I'm sure NFL scouts were just licking their chops, looking at these two seemingly can't-miss NFL quarterback prospects. I mean, the thing I'll say about Burrow is, you know, coming into this season, pretty much universally he was kind of viewed as a mid-round pick. You know, he was a guy who was thought of with some upside, but, you know, this surefire number one pick, guy that looks like he's going to be a freaking Hall of Famer, I'm not sure everyone saw this coming. You know, I follow the SEC pretty extensively being an Alabama fan, so obviously had my ear to the ground, and, you know, there was definitely some hype for him coming in, but nobody saw this coming, and to to do what he has been able to do all season was just, you know, incredible 60-plus touchdown passes. LSU beat seven different teams that were ranked in the top 10 when the Tigers beat them, so didn't necessarily finish in the top 10, but they were top 10 teams when LSU faced them. Obviously went 7-0 and in those games. Just the swagger that that team played with was, it was unbelievable, and it was, it was really a ton of fun to watch. A lot of my friends were, you know, they were kind of giving me crap because they were like, why are you even watching this national championship game? Clemson versus LSU, this should be two teams that you hate more than anyone being an Alabama fan. And I, you know, I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely two teams that would not be getting Christmas cards from me. But I mean, how could you not watch these just two incredibly, incredible, talented, just amazing teams? I can't even be a hater, man. I, I really can't because that's how special both of these groups were. I know there was some, uh, some questionable officiating in there with a Pac-12 crew. I don't know. Who approved that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's on some type of, you know, rotation where they, they switch it out over the years so that one league can't do it, you know, every year and, and you raise questions of validity that way. But I don't know. I, I, I didn't think the officiating was great. I also didn't think it really impacted the game that much in the long run. I think the better of the two teams won. I think LSU was just a team that couldn't be stopped, really. I mean, they had all the momentum in the world, even even when they were down. There was just, I don't know, I, I never doubted them for a second. I'll say that, and it's it's weird when you watch a team like that, you know, when you, you just never, ever feel like they're out of it. In, in a lot of ways, it reminded me, you know, kind of the Peyton Manning Broncos years, those first couple years, you know, 2012, 2013. It's just like, you know, the offense, if, if, if Peyton gets the ball back, he's going to go down and score. And, and that's how I felt about Joe Burrow just all season. And that's why it was so hard to watch as an Alabama fan, especially, you know, in the Alabama-LSU game. The dude absolutely terrified me going in, and, and he obviously was able to get that win. But just just an amazing season. And I had a lot of fun this year. You know, I thought it was, it was a good year. I think the playoff was fun. I know Oklahoma obviously got just boat raced. But overall pretty fun playoff. I thought it was a fun bowl season. A lot of competitive, interesting games. A lot of weird ones, but that's just how bowl season works. I'm, I'm going to miss college football, though. It's going to be uh, going to be fun to see how people look back at this, you know, 2019 season a couple years from now. I think this was a year where offense really reigned supreme 
when you just look at, you know, some of the best teams in the country, it was all about offense and, and predominantly spread offenses, you know, Ohio State and, and LSU and and even Alabama with the way they would spread it out with all the wide receivers. Obviously, they're more known for, for running the football, but it, it's clear that passing was their identity this year with that, that amazing group of wide receivers that they had there down in Tuscaloosa. And even, you know, Oklahoma and some of these other top teams, it's just all about offense, you know, Oregon and Herbert, the list goes on and on. Uh, but I'm really going to miss college football season, and I will be interested to see how people look back at this year, you know, years from now, especially this LSU team. Are they the best college football team of all time? I don't know. I I think that's basically an impossible question to answer because everything changes so much. Different eras, different styles of play, you know, certain rules. You know, Joe Burrow, with all the running around that he and, and Lawrence and a lot of these guys do now, they, they wouldn't have been able to do that 20 years ago because somebody would have took their head off in the open field. Would they have been able to make these kind of throws still? Absolutely. But would they have had the, the innovative offensive play callers? Who knows? It's just there's so many different things to factor in. Uh, but I will say this. They are definitely one of the most impressive college football teams that I've ever watched. I mean, I think back to some of those – USC teams, you know, 2004, 2005, USC. I know Texas actually won the 05 or the 06, I think, because the game was in January, Rose Bowl. Uh, but those those Trojans teams, obviously the, the early 2000, you know, Miami Hurricanes. I think that those like 2000, 2002, between that period, they had like 30 NFL players on those rosters or something like that. I'd, I'd have to go back and find the stat. One of those things they talked about in the in the awesome 30 for 30s on the U uh, but you know regardless of what people think about this LSU team it it really doesn't matter in terms of where they they rank in, in the history books and comparing them to other teams uh, but it there's no doubt that they are the best program right now and man it's gonna be interesting to see if they can keep that momentum rolling because Trevor Lawrence coming back for Another year is absolutely terrifying, and I'm sure we will see Clemson back in the playoff again next season. But congratulations, LSU. Congratulations, Tigers friends. I have a lot of friends that root for LSU, so I'm happy for them. I'm happy they got to enjoy that experience. You know, I I, I recognize that when you, you know, root for some of those bigger teams, I'm obviously a CSU guy and an Alabama guy, so that's two very drastic different programs. I've been pretty privileged when it comes to Bama, experiencing that, experiencing that winning, but I also know how hard it can be to, to root for a team that struggles, just given that I've followed CSU my entire life. Uh, but I know what it feels like when they when they reach that mountaintop, and it, it just it feels so special. And so I'm happy for all my LSU friends. I'm happy for the, the people of... New Orleans and Louisiana, it's a cool state. Uh, yeah, congrats to LSU, but let's move on. We have a ton to talk about, and I did not mean to ramble on about the national championship for that long, but hey, it was it was an incredible game. Like, can't really blame me. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, I did forget to mention yesterday that Dante Wright was became the first true freshman to earn uh, freshman All-American honors from the football Writers Association of America. He's the first true freshman uh, in CSU history to do so. Corey James did make the the FWAA 
freshman All-American team back in 2012, but he redshirted in 2011, so he's not uh, a true freshman. So I guess you know, CSU was kind of kind of reaching on that headline a little bit, but semantics, it, he is the first true freshman. Uh, but regardless, you know, obviously just an incredible season, one of the the more explosive athletes we've been privileged to, to watch here in Fort Collins, and I certainly am am really excited to see Wright back on the field in, in year two, and, and it'll be interesting to see what Joey Lynch is able to do with this guy and, and some of the weapons. Uh, speaking of Joey Lynch, Joey Lynch and Brian White are official. Not sure when CSU plans on announcing you know, the rest of the coaches, the strength staff, Chuck Heater, defensive coordinator, uh, Louis Adazio, Antoine Smith, some of these guys, but they did announce that Brian White will be the running backs coach and the assistant head coach, Joey Lynch, will be the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So the first two official hires from the Steve Adazio era are here. Um, yeah, I mean, I was talking about this with, with Eddie and Kevin today. We thought it was kind of weird that they chose to to just announce these two i mean maybe they're just kind of giving the fans a, a little taste of something uh the weird thing is is that some of these other guys are like on campus and working so why not just introduce them now but who knows i mean it could be you know contractual things there's a, a lot that could be going on behind the scenes that i'm just not privy to so this isn't criticism uh it's just a a comment you know it, interesting that they only announced two coaches when we know that some of the other guys have been determined at this point. Uh, but nonetheless, good to get some of this information out and official so that we can stop the speculating because that's basically what it's been about as a CSU fan over the last month. It's just been speculation season, you know, whether you're on the message boards or, or Twitter.com, uh, Facebook, all that crap, you know, just speculation all all around speculation from national writers from the fans uh it is the season i mean that's what happens when you're not playing in bowl games and you don't have anything else to really focus on so it'll be nice to just like get some of this information solidified get some of these coaches in their roles locked down then we can really start to focus on it obviously you know things are really going to get intense once spring ball comes around i'd say you know, really this next month or so is, is just going to be focused on signing day. Obviously, they've got, you know, some some scholarships to ultimately fill. I'll have to go through that and see what the ultimate number is on how many scholarships they will have. Some of that will depend on if there are any more uh, transfers or anything like that. But definitely things are starting to, to get in place. We're starting to figure out what this program is going to look like moving forward. And, you know, I'm intrigued, I think. At least on paper, obviously, a lot of these hires are, they're Adazio guys, but I just think that there's there's something to be said about continuity, and I think if you would have had to have taken a hodgepodge of coaches from around the country and try and make it all work, it, it may have been pretty tough to do just given, you know, the situation you're in. You have a lot of experienced players. You want to kind of hit the ground running. This isn't really a situation where, you know, you would be, you would be okay with you know a three and nine season next year. I just don't think that's the case. I really think the expectation at this point is kind of to, to start turning things around. I think people are realistic, but I think to expect a bowl game would not be unfair at all, especially given 
the schedule and I think that they know that and I especially you know with Boulder coming to town you know right off the bat and everything they just they want to hit the ground running so hiring a bunch of guys that already know how to work together does make sense the argument against it is obviously uh you know is it nepotism at place or were there better candidates being passed up simply because he wanted to hire his guys I don't know you know that's a question that we'd have to to ask Joe Parker and quite frankly I'm not sure we'd ever get you know the honest answer because a lot of that stuff is so secretive for some reason I mean I guess I get it in some regards because you can't be like oh we wanted to hire this guy and then he wanted more money and then he couldn't so we ended up with this scrub obviously but it would be nice if we could get you know some of those details on just what the hiring process was like with Adazio, you know, did Adazio have complete control? How much of it was, you know, dictated by decisions from Urban Meyer or the, the, the staff or just like the athletic department heads as a whole. So a lot of different things to think about, obviously, but I think at least on paper, there is reason to believe that this program is going to be okay moving forward. Obviously, you know, we got to let it play it out and, a lot can change really fast and you know they could come out and losing and I, I could look like a like a fool for saying this but based on you know what these coaches have accomplished around the country based on the talent CSU currently has on the roster and the schedule moving forward the facilities all that I think CSU is going to be okay I really do so looking forward to it excited to to get into spring ball here pretty soon I guess really a couple of months still getting a little over eager here, uh, but we'll have pro day and other stuff to talk about. So it's not like football ever goes away, uh, but 15 minutes into this podcast, let's finally talk a little bit of hoops. We got a huge game coming up against New Mexico Wednesday night. I had a chance to talk with Nico Carvacho and Nico Medved this afternoon, as well as uh, watch their entire practice, kind of see what they were thinking in terms of slowing down a really talented Lobos team. Uh, So we are going to talk about that. I'm going to play some Medved audio and more. Uh, But first, let's just take a quick second to hear from our partners. It's time to take a second to talk about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR Rams. Breckenridge has been serving locals for two decades plus and has a kick-ass variety. You can't go wrong with Breckenridge. Uh, obviously got the NFC and AFC championship games coming up this weekend. I'm going to grab a six-pack of Avalanche Ale, Breckenridge's world-famous American Amber Ale. So smooth, so crisp, goes perfectly with all those salty snacks you're going to want to be consuming during football. I know it's New Year's. I know you've got your resolutions and you're claiming you're going to get in shape, but we all know that the new year really starts after the Super Bowl. And if we're being honest, it's probably more like after March Madness or the Masters or whenever there's no sports, maybe that dead period in July when there's like just the all-star break, then we'll get in shape. Regardless, if you're going to be drinking brews, which you know you are, pick up some Breckenridge. You can get it wherever beer is sold. Grab it at your local liquor store. Grab it at the grocery store. Whatever you're doing, though, grab some Breckenridge. Alrighty, folks. Welcome back to the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Bojo's Pizza. Bojo's. Colorado's own mountain pie. So good, man. The cheese and honey. A lot of dough, but a lot of carbs. But if you're just lounging, watching football, I could kill a Bojo's pizza. 
Let's talk a little hoops, though. It is, after all, college basketball season. And I am, after all, a college basketball aficionado. I don't even know if I said that word right. But I'm just going to roll with it. Got New Mexico coming to town Wednesday night, and, and there's no sugarcoating it. This is, a, this is a big game for CSU. Beating Wyoming is one thing. Beating San Jose State, a pesky and, and subtly talented San Jose State team in a weird atmosphere, that's, that's another thing. You know, I'm, I'm not shortchanging CSU. I'm not saying that those weren't important victories. They, they absolutely were. But this is another, this is another level here. New Mexico, they're going to come in. They have a significant size advantage. You know, they're one of the bigger teams in the league. They have great athleticism. They do an awesome job of getting in the paint and drawing fouls. That's kind of what I talked about uh, extensively with Nico Medved today, and we're actually going to get you some audio here uh, in a few minutes after my thoughts here. But, you know, the New Mexico, they're going to try and bully you. They're going to try and attack the post. They're going to try and force you to foul. And they, they do a great job of it. And, you know, if, if CSU comes and, the, and they play sloppy and they're not helping out on defense, this could be a long night for the Rams. They don't have a ton of size in the post, obviously. You got Nico and you got Big Roddy, but if those guys get in foul trouble, ooh, could be a long night. That said, if you're able to shut some of these guys down, you're able to get uh, the guards to, to slide over and play help defense. You're able to protect the rim. You're able to, to force New Mexico to take contested jumpers, you can win this game. CSU is good enough to beat any team in the Mountain West. They really are coming together. Uh, you watch this team practice, and it's just it's such a different vibe than it's been in years past. You know, people are encouraging each other. They're working on team drills. They're working on fundamentals. These all sound like basic things. These were things that were not happening under the previous coaching staff. I cannot stress that enough. You know, sometimes people are like, Justin, chill out. We get it. You know, Nico is is so much more positive. We get it. But like, I really can't say it enough. It is so so different. And and it would have been one thing to to come in and and preach positivity and, and be all up last year because it's your first year. You're selling, and you know these coaches. They know the they know the game. They know they've got to win people over. But it, he's genuine. It's who he is. You see it in practice. You see the way he cares about these kids. And you're seeing these young men, excuse me, and you're seeing them respond. And I- I'm really intrigued. You know, I was talking with Joe Deciman before practice today, and I'm just like, you know, you can get some of these seniors to, to provide a scoring spark off the bench. You get Stevens and Roddy to continue playing the way that they're playing. You get Nico to improve his confidence a little bit in the post at the free throw line, obviously. Nico's doing a lot of really good things for this team, Play- playing really solid defense grabbing boards he's a great outlet passer he's doing you know he's scoring he's doing things for this team it gets overshadowed by his free throws and you know I talked about that with him a little bit today and the the thing that I really appreciated about Nico is he was really candid with me and obviously I have a great relationship with Nico Carvacho I have I've covered him his entire career since you know he was a freshman uh, since, you know, he was a, a reserve role under a Magbo. I've been there for it all. I've seen the highs. I've seen the lows. Nico and I are, we got a good relationship. He he was honest with me, man. He 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 talked about how hard it's been, how 
how it's hard to block out the noise sometime, you know? I watched him in practice today. He knocked 19 to 20 down, nothing but net. Gorgeous free throws, perfect release, perfect form. And this is with a couple of dudes shooting jump shots and, and interrupting his flow. You know, he's not by himself tucked away in a corner or anything like that. This is with Deshaun and, and a couple of other guys working on jump shots and balls bouncing in his face, interrupting his rhythm. Didn't matter. Nothing but net. 19 out of 20. And the only one that he missed rimmed out. He is a good free throw shooter. He just can't seem to do it in games. And I've I've never been in that situation. You know, I've never been at the charity stripe with thousands of people staring at me. But you know where I have been? I've been at a rec center shooting free throws when a couple of people come up and, and start doing something next to me. It gets self-conscious. You don't want to miss. And that's kind of what he talked about. He's, he's trying to focus on changing his mindset to just shooting the free throws and, you know, not thinking about not missing. You know, he's got to shoot it to make it, not shoot it to not miss. And I think as the season goes on, we're going to see him break out of this. I think it's just a little bit of a a blip. It's 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 been tough, you know, it's been most of the season and it needs to improve. It legitimately needs to improve. And, and he knows that and he's working really hard on it, shooting 100 plus free throws a day. You know, all these people on Twitter tweeting at him that's been, why don't you practice your free throws? He is, guys. He is. And he's going to get better. But Nico has been, you know, a phenomenal ambassador of the program for four years. An incredible hooper has done so much for CSU. One of the, well, he's the only guy in conference history with a thousand points and a thousand rebounds. I, uh, I just I, I want to emphasize that because I think it's it's easy to forget that these these guys are human and having having legitimate expectations of them is fine. They're D1 hoopers. They're they're subject to criticism. But, you know, tweeting at them and and DMing them and sending them messages and stuff like that, that's not cool. Knock knock that off. You know, I've I I don't I kind of doubt that any of my listeners are, are the kind of people that would be sending him, you know, nasty DMs or stuff like that. But if you are, just, you know, remember, it's a tough game. It's a tough game. But that said, you know, it's got to improve because if you can't knock down free throws, it's really going to kill this team. And if you can, it's going to be huge. They get to the free throw line at a great rate right now. CSU is really doing a great job of attacking the hoop they recognize that that's their best offense. Not even just Nico, all the guys, the guards. Isaiah does a great job of getting to the rim. Uh, Adam has done a decent job of even getting to the rim at times. Not as frequently as some of these other guys. Obviously, his his best game will always be from beyond the arc. But this team can they, they can make a little bit of noise. And I'm intrigued by it. I just I think they've got their heads in the right place. I think if they can get a couple of things to go right moving forward, they're they're really going to have a decent shot here. The The big thing is, obviously, they got to avoid that that play-in game in the Mountain West Tournament. It's huge. It's so big. Talked about it with a couple of different people today. Uh, just the the stress of having to win that extra game, you know, with no rest. It's It really makes your chances of winning hard. Uh, it was actually Joe Desmond talking about him back in uh, 2015, I believe. You know, they beat Boise State in that play-in game and then had to play 
Fresno State like immediately after and or maybe it was the other way around I can't quite remember uh but you know regardless you know it's just it's it's tough to win the tournament when you got to play that much basketball that frequently uh but there's obviously a lot of basketball to be played between now and March so gonna be interesting to see how the Rams are able to respond uh, but I do think they're heading in the right direction I'm uh, gonna talk more about the game tomorrow uh, hopefully gonna get a preview out as well but I did want to play you some Medved audio today, just kind of talking about uh, what CSU is emphasizing going into this matchup with New Mexico. I'm just going to leave you with that. Hope everyone has a great night, a great day, depending on when you're listening to this. But uh, here is Nico Medved talking about this difficult matchup with New Mexico. So obviously doing a lot of work in the post. New Mexico does a great job drawing free throws. I think they shoot like the fourth most free throws in the country per game. Is that kind of the, the big emphasis for where they can't kill you? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're big, they're strong, they're athletic. They drive it to the basket, they get fouled. They throw it in the post, they get fouled. Uh, they drive it or throw it in the post, shoot it up, get the offensive rebound and get fouled. So they're just a team that, you know, they attack in the, in the lane. And so we've got to do a great job of mitigating that, not just with one-on-one, but obviously with team defense. They've got guys who are capable shooters too. I mean, they score 80 points a game, but I think it starts with them on guarding the lane, guarding the post, and limiting them to one shot. And that's something that's going to take a tremendous effort from our guys. It seems like, you know, the, the freshmen have obviously played a, a massive role in the last couple of games, Roddy, Isaiah, some of these guys. But given the, the size situation and, and how much New Mexico likes to just kind of play in the post, is this kind of a game where you're like, Nico, we need you to be Nico? Yeah, and you know, and, and Nico, you know, maybe hasn't scored as much, but boy, I mean, the other day at 16 rebounds, I mean, I think he's really asserting himself on the glass on both ends, and that's huge. And I think he'd probably be the first to say it helps him to play alongside a kid like Roddy. So we've got two physical guys in there who are really rebounding and going to get it and I think at the same point in time New Mexico is really really physical that way but we still have to go and we have to attack those guys on offense in there we have to do our job of getting to the glass and driving and so you know we have to try to do that and give them a little bit of taste of their own medicine too and so Nico's been doing a great job on the boards and you know I just got a feeling this is a game that he can get his offense going. Scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice But water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCRV He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly Like non